0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, we conclude our series on the rise of the one world mind with staff evangelist Josh Davis. Watchman on the Wall has resources that keep you informed and deepen your knowledge of Bible prophecy. We have two outstanding resources for you to consider today. That will keep you informed and deepen your knowledge of Bible prophecy. First is our Prophecy in the News magazine. Prophecy in the News magazine equips you with useful articles and insight written from a biblical perspective and always encourages you to keep looking up. Another outstanding resource is the book What's Next by Dr. Kenneth Hill. What's Next looks at the different views people hold concerning the end of the age subscribe to prophecy in the news magazine and order your copy of the book what's next when you call 1-800-652-1144 that's 1-800-652-1144 here's our host dr larry spargiomino and staff evangelist josh davis dui
1: accidents are on the rise We need to do all within our power as a nation to keep DUI drivers off the road. And yet, there are those in our government who are defending the so-called rights of illegal immigrant drunk drivers. What's going on? Well, it's The Rise of the One World Mind, which, by the way, is the title of Josh Davis's new book. Josh, thank you for being our guest once again and for your new book, Rise of the One World Mind. How to Survive Under the Threat of Globalism. I know your book is going to be a tremendous addition to the great lineup of new books that Southwest Radio Ministries is offering to our listeners. And I know this is really going to be a classic. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Pastor Larry. Once again, it is my joy and my privilege to get to speak with you about this new book and also to serve the Lord with Southwest Radio Ministries.
1: Well, Josh, the last three chapters of your book they have a positive tone. Why do you end the book in this manner?
2: Well, I think that God didn't give us his word. He didn't give us the book of Revelation that we've been referring to so often on these programs to leave us in fear, to alarm us, to scare us, but to help us to have hope in these days and to understand what's going on, to offer discernment to us that we can wade through the mire of this world, and then ultimately that we can look to him and keep our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to be comforted. You know, the passage on the rapture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, it wasn't given to scare us or to say, oh no, no, you ought to be afraid, you ought to live in fear, but he says comfort one another with these words. And so that's what I wanted to do, is give people hope and help people to understand, as the subtitle says, how they can thrive with the rise of globalism happening all around us.
1: Well, Josh, how does understanding the Word of God in general and Bible prophecy specifically help us to stand firm against globalism?
2: Well, I think that I can illustrate this with a little bit of a story, Pastor Larry. I used to take a group of teenagers on a, a Christian summer camp in the mountains of East Tennessee. And, and one of the competitions that they offered was a mile and a half race up the side of a mountain. And, you know, who thinks like this? Hey, I got a great idea. Let's meet at 6 a.m. and race up the side of a mountain. Well, you know, who's going to be crazy enough to sign up for that? You know, a bunch of us did, actually, I, I admit. I signed up for it more than once over the years. I I must just be a glutton for punishment, as they say. But, (laughs) uh, you know, when you get to church camp sometimes with those young people, you'll scream, yes, that's a great idea, to some crazy, ridiculous things like getting Cool Whip or whipped cream all over you or whatever the case may be. And and you're willing to do that just to show the kids that you love them and you care for them. Plus, in this race, they gave you a free T-shirt if you ran and completed the race. And so free t-shirt, yeah, I'm going to be in. I'll sign up for that. So we mm-hmm. gathered near the starting line, a bunch of sleepy-eyed teenagers, and adults are yawning and stretching. We're preparing for the pain that's going to await us. And the race started down in this valley. And for us in the mountains, like where I live, we say a hauler, not hollow, H-O-L-L-O-W, H-O-L-L-E-R. And that's the way that we say it here in the mountains where I have been born and raised and lived my life. But the first leg of the journey, you crisscross this creek and right out of the gate, your socks, your shoes are soaked in this pure Tennessee mountain spring water. And that sounds so delightful, doesn't it? But I I can tell you it's not. Wet socks and muddy shoes are not prime (laughs) for when you're about to run about two miles up the side of this mountain. And so a few of us As we come over this creek and jump over some logs, there were some honeybees that had lodged in those logs, and they jumped out of there and began to sting my ankles. And doesn't that sound delicious, the pure Tennessee mountain honey right out of this log? No, it's not. You know, you got wet shoes, wet feet, bees are stinging you on the legs. I've not even started climbing the side of this mountain in this race, and my ankles are itching with bee stings. My socks and shoes are soaking wet, got mud and dirt and and all kinds of things all over me. Why did I sign up for this? I could still be laying in the bed, getting a few more hours of sleep. And so I I pushed my way to the top and made my way up there. Once we got to the top of the mountain, it opens up to a beautiful vista all around the mountains. There's a lake down there. And it's this euphoria of accomplishing this challenging task with the people that you love. It turned all the temporary pain into a beautiful experience and a wonderful memory. We were giving each other high fives. We were smiling, and we forgot all about the pain that we went through down in that holler. We made it. It didn't matter if you're the fastest or the slowest. It didn't matter. Any of that mattered. The race is over. Now you can rest. Now you can bask in the early morning sunlight on top of the mountain and get some water to refresh yourself, and plus you get that free t-shirt. So. It's a beautiful day, and I just share that story to illustrate the truth that it's a great example of what the church will experience, Pastor Larry. You know, we look at globalism, you look at the Antichrist, you look at malignant narcissism, and it feels like we're down in that valley, down in that holler. It's confusingly dark, and the way out seems very daunting, very challenging, but a beautiful day is coming when we're going to be called up to be with Jesus forever. And until that day comes, we have God to guide us safely through the miry course that we're on one step at a time. So the darkness, the mud, the bee stings, all that's going to be forgotten as the beautiful eternal day begins. And the Bible describes the powerful truths that give us hope and give us the right perspective we need to live during these perilous times. One verse that I do want to mention is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it talks about, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is a law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The very next verse encourages us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so I think if there's any verse that tells us how we should live in these perilous times, that is it. And so in the chapter, I, I really go through a Bible study to help people understand what that verse teaches and how it explains how we ought to live a steadfast yes. life in this day that we live in.
1: I think that illustration is a wonderful illustration. As you know, I used to pastor in East Tennessee. Our church and two or three other Baptist churches, we used to take kids to uh, western North Carolina. And I don't know if you remember the movie, Last of the Mohegans. There's a big battle on a ledge way up in the Pisgah National Forest. And we used to go hiking around there, and we'd climb, and it was really a narrow trail and so forth. When we got to the top, we had a Bible study. And that's exactly what kind of a picture you painted to to have all these precious young people who were just huffing and puffing. And I was a lot younger then. I was still huffing and puffing to get the word out, to share, to have testimony. That's a, a brief glimpse of what we will see. And I just uh, thank you so much for that illustration. But what should we do until the rapture occurs? How could we stand against such an enormous onslaught? And, and of course, in your book, you've really been quite frank about, about the danger.
2: Yes. Yeah, I am quite frank about the danger, but I also want to be very hopeful and very intentional on how God's Word can equip us, can prepare us for these times. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 tells us that we can be well-equipped. And that's one of the reasons God gave us His Word, is to give us what we need to stand strong in these perilous times that we live in. And Scripture is replete with examples and admonitions from God to fear not. And I've got a whole section in the book that talks about fear and how fear can really creep into the life, the mind, the heart of the Christian. There's hardly a week that goes by, Pastor Larry, that I don't talk with somebody who is fearful about what's happening in our world. It may be something going on in their personal life that they're scared about. It may be the rise of globalism and these kinds of things that we're seeing happening in America and how America is drifting further and further and further away from the Lord. Good Christians, good Bible-believing Christians are legitimately scared when they look at what is happening today. And I, that's why I put in a whole section in the book on fear not. And I just walk through many, many verses of scripture that tell us, do not be afraid. And I love these verses. These are things that I like to come back to and remind myself of who God is and why we don't have to be afraid. Deuteronomy 31 6 Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee. Nor forsake thee. On and on and on it goes all throughout Scripture. Isaiah 41, verse 10 is one of my favorites. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I know we're faced with uncertain times, but God knows exactly what's going to happen. And Pastor Larry, Jesus came at the perfect time in human history. Galatians 4 and 5 tell us that at the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. We can be brought into the family of God forever through what Jesus Christ has done for us. And when you look at how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of His first coming, and it was just so Pinpoint precise. No one else could have fulfilled those prophecies. And Jesus did it to the exact very day and hour that the Old Testament prophesied thousands of years before. And Pastor Larry, I can't even predict what I'm going to be doing this time tomorrow. I can't see that far into the future, but God, who keeps time and eternity in his hands, knows exactly when and where and how to move things. And Jesus was born at the perfect time in human history in his first coming. But today, as Christians who believe in the rapture, who believe in the premillennial, pre-tribulation view of the rapture of the church, yet we, we act like God has forgotten us or or man, God is late. Right. What is he up to? God is not late. He's not forgotten to come get us. He's not scratching his head in heaven just trying to discern the signs of the times and say now. If there's another earthquake over here, then maybe that'll be a good time to come. Well, let's think about (laughs) it this way let's let globalism get a little bit worse, and then it'll be a good time. No. If his first coming was so pinpoint, precise, and already determined from the foundations of the world, so too is the second coming. So too is the rapture of the church. So too is all these things. And so, as God's people, we don't have to live in fear, we don't have to live in panic. I wrote an article for the Prophecy in the News magazine, not long after I started with SWRC, called Rapture Anxiety. I adapted it some and included it in the book because I've had a lot of people tell me that article was so helpful to me. And so there's many Christians who are scared to death when they think about the rapture, when they think about all the different things that may happen before the rapture occurs. But God doesn't want us to live that way, to live under fear, and understanding how to deal with the rapture anxiety that we may have, can help us to understand how we can go forward without fear and, again, thriving in this world.
1: Well, I really appreciate Josh Davis and the insightful material that he is writing. We're offering his newest book, Rise of the One World Mind, How to Survive Under the Threat of Globalism. Friends, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, God has given us the ability, the weapons to deal with issues. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I think that's very encouraging to me because God has not put us on the battlefield and given us a slingshot. He's given us weapons that are mighty for dealing with the kind of evil that we have. And I know sometimes it's hard, sometimes there's conflict, sometimes there's disagreement even in church, but God has equipped us. God is faithful. God will be with us until the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first and we're caught up in the air to live forever and ever and ever. But Joshua I wanted to get into a, a really good question. I mean, they're all good, but something that, that brings it all together. You begin the last chapter by quoting the truism. People tend to remember what they should forget and forget what they should remember. What must we remember as we stand on the edge of eternity?
2: Well, Pastor Larry, one of the things that we need to remember as Christians is that God has placed us here on earth at this juncture of human history with a purpose and for a purpose. We're not here by accident. He's not forgotten us. So we've got to remember that it's God who has placed us here, as it says in the book of Esther, for such a time as this. You know, I believe as God's people that this is the time for us to get in the game. And those who believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, if we believe that we're counting down the clock and and the clock is ticking down and the buzzer is about to sound, to use a sports analogy, then we need to be giving it our all in this game, and we need to be remembering eternity. That's one of the most important things we need to remember, is that we're preparing to step into eternity. And and really, any one of us right. could step into eternity any day, whether that be through right. death or through the rapture of the church. And we don't know when that time may come for any one of us. So in this chapter on remember, I really urge people to remember eternity first and foremost because we need to be ready for the rapture. We need to be ready for when that day comes that God may call us home to be with Him. And if people are not saved, if people do not know Jesus as their Savior, right now is the time to receive Him. Right now is the day to call upon Him, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to ask Him to cleanse you and to be your Savior. You know, Jesus died on the cross, and He gave His life, and He didn't stay dead. He rose again the third day with a new kind of life that will never end, and He's offered to give us that new kind of life to replace what we have, our sinful debt. And Jesus wants to take those sins away from us. And so that's the very first thing. If anyone listening does not know Jesus as their Savior, my goal— My hope through this book and through what I'm saying to you right now, dear friend, is that you would consider eternity. You would consider where you're going to spend eternity. And we move on from there in the book and explore some other things that's important for us to remember. And we need to remember, first, we need to remember eternity. But also beyond that, we need to remember heaven. And this is where the book really takes a very positive turn as I speak and describe briefly the reality of heaven. And think about how Jesus revealed heaven to his 12 disciples, Pastor Larry. They were overwhelmed. They were in ministry with Jesus for three years, full time. And everything that they had been working so hard for seemed to be unraveling before their very eyes. They ate what's now called the Last Supper, and Jesus reminded them that his death is coming soon especially in John chapter 13. And so as that evening continued, Satan, I mean, the Bible tells us that it was actually the devil himself, Satan, entered into Judas Iscariot in a devilish attempt to conquer Jesus once and for all. And it seems like this plan of Jesus is falling apart at the seams. And when we discuss death, that brings feelings of sadness, loneliness, finality to it all. And Jesus' followers long to be with him. And they were asking him, what do you mean you're going away? What do you mean you're going to die? What are you trying to to tell us? And Jesus begins to explain these things to them. But as he begins John chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So Jesus instructs them not to allow their emotions to cause them to forget their proper perspective. And they could be easily overwhelmed with grief. They could be confused to the point that they would give up, they would throw in the towel, they would walk away. But Jesus moved beyond the what to avoid and instructed them on what to do. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he begins to develop for them what heaven will be like. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he revealed that this temporary separation isn't going to be the end of the story. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And of course, sometimes people get the false notion that heaven is some kind of ethereal skyscraper, or it's a land filled with these castles and Victorian mansions. Jesus is wanting them to know that he was going to prepare a place for them in his Father's house. He's calling them to remember a person not a place. In other words, a who, not a what. And so the greatest part about heaven is not what is there, but it's who is there. And for the Christian, we get to experience that reality of heaven. And it's not just a fanciful dream that we have of one day out there somewhere. No, it's a real place prepared for a real people. And we will get to be there with God forever and forever and forever in that beautiful place called heaven. There's many other scriptures that outline the beauty of heaven and the magnificence of it, and uh, how do we get to heaven? Well, Titus chapter 3 tells us that, Pastor Larry, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost that He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, being justified. By His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You know, we have hope as God's people. And that's what I want to leave people with, is that there is a bright, bright future for the child of God. We're not going to be here for the system of the Antichrist. We're not going to be here to see the mark of the beast come on the scene. And the whole picture of Revelation 13 is for that future great tribulation period we're not going to be here the church is going to be raptured up before that happens and we're going to get to be with the lord forever and revelation 21 and 22 i recommend anyone who's struggling with hope struggling with looking down right. at the mud that we're in right now read revelation right. 21 22 and you'll see how that satan yes. and evil are quarantined forever in the lake of fire the new yes. heaven the new earth comes onto the scene and we see that come down, as it says in Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture that describes that for us. So we need to remember eternity. We need to remember heaven. But most of all, Pastor yeah, Larry, we need to remember Jesus. Again, the greatest part of heaven is not what, but it's who. It's Jesus that we need to keep our eyes fixed on. As I give my one world update that I do here on Watchmen on the Wall radio, I often end by quoting Jesus and quoting one of the verses that he left his followers with Luke chapter 21, verse 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. This is not the time for the Amen. followers of Jesus to hang their heads and to hide. We don't have to fearfully peek through the blinds saying, what's going on in the world? Oh no, what are we going to do? If anyone in this world ought to be happy, ought to be grateful, Amen. ought to be joyful, it's the true church. Our greatest moments are just ahead. And since Jesus is our Savior, the victory is already ours right now. We can go forward in faith in the face of all the rising one-world system. Again, I just echo the words of Jesus. Look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh.
1: That's all good advice. And I remember what you said a few minutes ago, the words of Haman to Esther for such a time as this. I think this is a time of, of great opportunity. I think a lot of people are asking questions. A lot of people want to know the truth. I see people getting saved. I see good things happening. So I agree with you and I thank you for these last three chapters. They are so wonderful. They're so inspiring and so encouraging to each of us. Well, Josh, it's been great doing these programs with you on your new book. I know you're a busy man. I thank God for you and for the writing and communication skills that the Lord has given to you.
2: Well, thank you, Pastor Larry. And I just pray that God would use this book however he sees fit. And I want to thank you Again, for writing the foreword to it and for endorsing it. And it's been my privilege to join you these last four days.
0: The complete four-day conversation with Josh Davis on the threat of globalism and the rise of the one-world mind is now available on CD. Order your copy when you call 1-800-652-1144. Thousands of years ago, the Bible prophesied the Antichrist's global agenda for the end times. The prophesied one-world government, economy, and worship mindsets are taking root across the world. The stage is being set for the biblical end-time scenario. Rise of the One World Mind, the brand new book by Josh Davis, will equip you and show you how to thrive under this threat of globalism. Unmasking the agendas at work in our world seems intimidating. Fear threatens us into silent submission. Guilt trips trick our emotions to get on board with the global agenda. However, we do not need to be scared or intimidated. More than merely listing the problems with the One World Mind, this brand new book seeks to offer real solutions. This is not the time to go into hiding. Rather, this is the time to stand boldly upon God's truth. Some of the solutions offered in Rise of the One World Mind include understanding how the One World Mindset is rising, discovering God's blueprint for conquering this mindset in your personal life, being ready for eternity, being equipped for battle, standing strong as a faithful watchman on the wall, and focusing on Jesus. Rise of the One World Mind by Josh Davis. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. You can also order on our website, swrc.com. Rise of the One World Mind is an excellent resource for Sunday school classes, small groups, and personal study. Rise of the One World Mind by Josh Davis. 1-800-652-1144. Will you succumb to the One World Mind? Or will you stand out as a beacon of light in the darkness? Order your copy of Rise of the One World Mind today. 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Pastor Doug Stoffer will examine an alarming and dangerous movement sweeping across the church. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station, By downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit SWRC.com.